Welcome to the Unblocking Crypto Podcast. This podcast is not financial advice. It's meant for entertainment purposes only. These are just the opinions of a couple of rambling wrecks. Welcome back to episode number 71 of Unblocking Crypto. Another exciting week in crypto. Al, welcome back. Great to see you again. Hey, good to see you, Justin. So let's start out talking about the SEC. And I have a feeling the SEC is going to dominate this conversation or these conversations for quite a while to come. But a couple of pretty big announcements and actually a extremely busy week from a macro perspective of everything that's going to be happening with all of these suits and some of the inflation data coming out this week. But a couple of things that did happen here recently is Binance.us did come out and said they're pretty much turning off all of U.S. dollar on-ramps and off-ramps. So I think you had until today to get all of U.S. dollars off. And what they are planning to do is to eliminate all the trading pairs that include U.S. dollars. So they will become a true crypto-only exchange at this point and just kind of walk away from being that place where you can get dollars on and off the exchange in the U.S. Yeah, I, I feel like Poloniex was like that. Like some of those offshore Chinese crypto exchanges were like that back in the day where you had to get some on-ramp to go from U.S. dollars into some kind of crypto. And then you could transfer it into the exchange. You could buy and sell whatever. And then in order to get it off, it had to be in whatever sort of crypto currency back to wherever you had your off ramp. So Binance kind of gets, takes some, I feel like that's step, steps backwards. Yeah. And what's interesting is Coinbase kind of had the same thing happen to them and they are taking a completely different tact where they said they're not going to delist their US dollar pairs. They're going to continue to keep that. They're also going to continue to keep their staking programs as well. And they plan to fight with the SEC on all this. So we're setting up for a couple of years worth of battles in all of this. And it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of years. I mean, there's a couple of other interesting pieces to all of this too. It almost seems like the SEC is trying to overstep its bounds for, for lack of a better term. But Robinhood has recently come out and they've talked about They've been trying to work with the SEC for about 16 months now. And their whole goal was that they wanted to register as a special asset broker dealer. And they've been working with the SEC pretty much. They just came out and said what the SEC has told them is that all this work is they're not going to see any fruits of their labor. It's pretty much not going to happen. So which is crazy because Gary Gensler has been telling everybody that all these companies have to do is come in and register and it'll be fine. But the SEC isn't letting anybody register. So it's just kind of a mess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I think that's what Brian Armstrong said when Gary Gensler said, he said that about, you know, uh, all you had to do is come in and register. He's like, well, if all we had to do is come in and register, we wouldn't be spending millions of dollars on legal fees to deal with all this stuff. Like we would just register. So like, I think that this is going to come to a point where like companies are going to continually call the SEC's bluff and they're going to push them into a corner where they've got to, actually provide guide rails and then let the companies stay in between them because like the the sec is just moving so slow and the industry is moving so fast that the companies the big enough companies that are big enough that have enough resources to deal with this they're going to make waves and they're not going to put up with it like there's just too much money on the table to just shut things down or get kicked around by the sec so it's 
time for them to start kind of pushing back. So this will be like a real interesting year. And then it'll be interesting to see what the SEC does around election time or after election time next year, depending on how things go. You know, always exciting. Yeah, and during all of this, one of the House of Representatives has just submitted the SEC SEC Stabilization Act, which in short is pretty much calling for Gary Gensler to be fired. It, it changes quite a few other things where it's adding another commissioner and making it so there's not a, a majority in there, adding an executive chairman, all that kind of stuff, which sounds great. And I think there's a lot of people that are pro-crypto that would love for this to happen. The problem that I think I see is that most of these commissioners, the president can't get rid of them. So it's going to be a very difficult thing for anything else to happen. Now, Congress does have a way to get rid of their own lawmakers if they have a two-thirds majority vote. I'm skeptical of seeing Congress agree two-thirds on anything. Uh, they won't do anything. They can't agree yeah. 51% on anything. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, unfortunately, he's pretty much stuck in there for almost another three years. And we have to deal with this. Now, the question is, is anything going to happen? No one's really sure. Uh, now, there is some stuff going on with XRP and Ripple that maybe be, will be coming to light here shortly. But now you're starting with Coinbase and Binance. And who knows how long that's going to last with those two companies. Yeah, I, I keep seeing Ripple stuff pop up through my algorithm that's mostly Bitcoin. I think they broke through like a, a strong technical analysis like breakthrough to the top side for XRP, which is interesting because altcoins had such a terrible run when the SEC sued Binance and Coinbase. And so for Ripple to be gaining, that's interesting and definitely something worth watching. Well, I think the big thing is we talked about it last week. The Hinman documents were just released on the 6th of June last week. And the tweet from Brad Garlinghouse or comment from Brad Garlinghouse was pretty much, I can't say too much, but I can say that it was well worth the 18 month wait to get these documents uh, released. And I think there's been some stuff talking about, and granted these are a little biased because they're coming from pro XRP attorneys, but they said the chances of the SEC actually winning this suit are probably down to about 3% at this point. But the, what I've heard is there's still not going to be any sort of decision until like September or, or even later of this year, right? So even though this just came out, you're still talking about three plus more months before we actually get any details on this. Right. Yeah. And there was also even some, with, with everything going on with what the SEC has done with Coinbase and Binance, and they were, SEC was trying to freeze all of Binance.us's assets and there's a whole mess going on there. One of the former SEC chairs came out and pretty much recommended that if you have your money on centralized exchanges, now is the time to get it off, <laughs> which is probably something that we've been talking about for quite a while now. And and even I think I've talked about uh, have a little product to help you get up to speed on some cold wallets that are it's down in the show notes if you want to take a look at that. But it is definitely becoming more and more important. I mean, we had Celsius, Voyager, Next, so all these guys have kind of imploded. And if you don't own the keys, you don't own the crypto. Oh, yeah. yeah. I uh, I saw a little bit of Bitcoin left on Coinbase that one day I just need to sit down and, and move it onto uh, Ledger or Trezor that I've got. But uh, for me to move it, it's a little bit stressful. I want to like, I need a quiet house. I need to make sure that the addresses are right. I need to not make mistakes you know that that 10 minutes you got to wait 
is a little bit of a nail biter. Even if you do send like a small bit of a small bit across first to make sure the addresses are all right, it's still, I just, I don't know because there's no intermediate person, to, like no customer service to call. It makes me a little bit nervous, but leaving it on the exchange also makes me nervous because I still have some stuff tied up on BlockFi. They sent out an email this week that said it's official that clients own the digital assets that were held in the wallet accounts. They will now start changing the user interface so that you can withdraw your funds in the native cryptocurrency that you have them in. So that's something, you know, if you have real money or real something that's important to you tied up on an exchange, I don't think you want to leave it there. It seems like they, they freeze the withdrawals and then they announce that they're freezing withdrawals is kind of how it's gone for the previous ones. So you kind of need to move it off before they tell you it's too late. Yeah. And kind of to tie into a, a lot of that, what we're seeing from the most part is not only is money leaving exchanges, it's also, or crypto leaving exchanges, it's also leaving US-based exchanges. So if you look at it today, well more than half of Bitcoin and Ethereum are already gone off exchanges. And what we're seeing is that the levels of this these cryptos on US exchanges is lower than what it was in pre-2017, which was the last Ooh. time we were really low, right? So that is down like 21% or less than that at some point. Um, what's kind of crazy too is because of the US and the restrictions they've had, there is not a US exchange that's involved in any of the perpetual futures markets. And the reason that's important is the volume on that is 11x the spot market. So there are a lot of fees happening. They're just not coming back to the US on that. And then even the stable coins that are US based have seen huge declines in market cap. I think it was somewhere around like a 35% decrease in market cap in this year. So they're down to like uh, under, I think, 15 billion. Or, yeah, no, sorry, they're down 15 billion here in this year in market cap. So it's it has not been good for us-based anything lately with all this sec issues going on yeah i mean it's kind of in the same line of of what what's going on with the banks like it's almost like the government thinks they can make rules and then people are just going to keep everything static and the rules are going to apply right like if if the sec sues coinbase even if you don't have any assets on coinbase if you have assets on other exchanges you're going to respond and react and probably move those assets off of the those exchanges you know similarly with these banks you know people are pulling their money out of the banks that are paying 0.1 percent interest and putting it into money market accounts or high yield savings accounts that are making four or five percent you know fairly you know with, with a high level of of confidence you're going to make four to five percent and so they're squeezing the banks like like the fed raises the rates people move their money out of banks and into high yield the banks get squeezed two ways because the their their fixed asset investments, mortgage-backed securities and, and bonds become less valuable. They have less deposits in the bank, so they're not making as much money on the overnight investments. So you're 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 getting squeezed. And the Wall Street Journal actually finally wrote an article about stuff we've been talking about for a year where the Fed says, uh, all right, we're gonna raise rates. The Fed said we're not gonna raise rates. We're not gonna raise rates for years banks stocked up on all these fixed long-term fixed assets 
then they cranked rates up faster than they have in anybody's lifetime and crushed these banks. Well, now you're sitting at a tipping point where inflation's still high. It came out today at 4%. It was expected to be 4.1%. This is on the 2023 algorithm to calculate uh, CPI, which is favorable to uh, a lower CPI because they only use one year's data instead of two, like they have for the last however many years. Um, so fake CPI is getting lower. So that that gives them the idea that it would be okay to start uh, lowering rates. So you, you can, but if you lower rates and inflation ramps back up and the economy runs hot again, then what are you going to do? You're going to flip on the banks again. I mean, they're, they're, this is, uh, this is, we're coming up on where they have to make the soft landing they've talked about for two years. I view it as like the eight bit Nintendo game, Top Gun, where you're trying to land on the aircraft carrier, you're trying to make a soft landing on the aircraft carrier and it's freaking impossible. Like too slow, too fast, up, up, down, down. Like it's like the, the success in four dimensions is is, is a very narrow band and you have to nail all four of them. And for the most part, you crash into the water or you overshoot it. And, th and so, you know, good luck to these guys, but yeah, uh, the, the wall street journal is finally picking up on it. So that means, you know, in the next few weeks, we'll probably hear about it in normal news stuff. And then maybe the fed will, will start to, ha to have these conversations because people need to start to understand what's, what's next or what could be next right? Raise rates, cool the economy, you know, start this recession, but banks are going to get tight. They're, they're already tight on lending. They're already, they're already struggling or lower the rates and hope inflation doesn't come back. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what they do. Yeah. So I mean, I know the U S is trying to, at least Congress seems to be trying to put some frameworks together to get the U S back into the game from a crypto perspective. What's interesting is during all of this, the Bank of China just made some pretty big news. They put about $28 million in tokenized securities onto Ethereum. And it's worth like 800 million won or whatever. But it is the first time that a bank in China has put any sort of digital secured note onto crypto. And I mean, if you look at this, China was the country that banned Bitcoin, what? Three, four years ago, whatever. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the, the 15th time they banned Bitcoin seemed to be the more serious of all of the Bitcoin bannings. But yeah, that was, yeah, I guess it was right, right two years ago because it was in the summer. Yeah. So it, it's, I guess, exciting to see that China is kind of coming back into all this and rethinking what they were doing. But it's also disappointing that China is doing this before we are. <laughs> yeah. Which is sad. Some other pretty interesting news. Swift and Chainlink had a, an interesting partnership announcement. They are planning to work together to experiment uh, the ability to link both private and public blockchains together. And they're doing this in partnership with a bunch of big banks. And the two largest that I saw are BNY Mellon and Citibank. So it's kind of exciting to see this happening because this will literally allow public and private partnerships or blockchains to work together to be able to close transactions across of that so really cool to see on the opposite side of that uh, zappo which is a gibraltar based bank just launched usd accounts but they based it on 
the stablecoin Tether instead of using Swift. So while the big banks are partnering with Swift, you have some other banks that are kind of going against that and looking at the, the stablecoin side of things and going from there. Now they're over in Europe. So what's also really cool about this announcement is it's MICA compliant. So uh -huh. they're one of the first ones to do that. And it'll be interesting to see what this means for everybody else. Well, that'll be interesting to see just how smoothly the, it works without Swift and like faster, cheaper, better performance wise. That's, uh, yep. Again, like Europe before the United States. Why, why aren't we in the lead? Yeah. I feel like the U.S. has made a lot of their money on innovation in the past, and we are definitely falling behind at this point. So the other cool thing, I shouldn't say cool thing, the other interesting thing, there was some reports that came out from the U.S. Treasury, and I think they do this every year, but they released some reports on money laundering and terrorist financing and all that kind of stuff. And they spent, I mean, it was the 100-something pages, I think, and a lot of it was talked they use digital currencies to, to to dive into that because everybody says the only thing Bitcoin is used for is to fund terrorism and yada, yada, yada. What was interesting with all of that is even though they discussed that, they said that a very small percentage of it is done in digital assets. Now, there still still is some done, but it is maj the majority of it is done with fiat currency and other traditional methods. Right. So... With that being said, if you look at what I think it's coin analysis or there's some company out there that's been kind of tracking this in 2021, 0, sorry, 0.15% of all transactions were done by kind of illegal funds. Yeah. And, um, if you look back in 2020, that number was back at 0.62%. And then if you look back at 2019, it was almost 3.4%. So it is getting better year over year. And, and it's harder and harder for a lot of these companies to hide crypto since, I mean, most of these things are on our public ledger and it's difficult to get around it. So right. um, with with it being a very small percentage, I guess, with, with crypto, even that 2021 number, I think there was 8.6 billion that was actually illegally funded through crypto, right? So the amount for the rest of the world is going to be much higher than that. Yeah, I think uh, they're going to have a harder and harder time running the uh, illicit and nefarious use as a as a reason to not use cryptocurrencies. As, as people find genuine use cases and benefit from it, especially like the, the cross-border payments, things like that. I mean, the 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 volume of transactions that will be legitimate will skyrocket while the illicit stuff is decreasing because they're getting better at tracking the stuff down. You know, like early on, the bad guys were ahead of the good guys, like in everything. And then eventually they catch up. So that's kind of where we are. Yeah. Cool. Well, I mean, I know we talked about a lot of really big things there. Is there anything else that we missed that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, there's one thing. Um, the the pro protocol Noster, there's like a decentralized protocol that you can layer things on top of. Uh, they have an app that is a, a decentralized social media app called Damas. That they've been, you know, they they have it on the App Store. You can download it, and then the social media because it's not, it's it's all everything's decentralized about it. 
there is no body controlling an algorithm that puts different social media, different posts in front of you on your thread. Like you have to join or follow or whatever every individual that posts that gives you your timeline. Like there is no recommended, there is no any of that stuff. And uh, so from like a getting off of the, the Twitter, Facebook, you know, uh, algorithmic based feeds, uh, people like that. And it's, uh, it's right now it's early, it's hard to use and all that stuff, but they had the ability to tip using the lightning network. Uh, if you liked other people's stuff, well, Apple doesn't like that. They're banning them from the ban- from the app store because they're circumventing the in-app purchases. So th- I view this as kind of two things. One, they'll either figure out a way around it or figure out a way around the app store, which is going to be really difficult as far as being able to reach a high level of adoption without being on the app store. It's really tough. But, um, you know, Elon Musk wants Twitter to be this app that does everything, including transfer of, of funds. So he... He's more inclined not to care about this stuff. And Twitter's big enough to to kind of push the needle. So I'm curious to see what uh, what happens next with transferring funds on social media, on in apps, whether it's social media apps or otherwise. Because if you can if you can just start your Twitter feed and get some followers and then add a, a payment scheme to it, like you can have a little side gig where you're you've got some followers that'll, you know, that are paying you a dollar or two a month which is, you know, Wall Street Journal, I think it's a dollar a week now. So like you can make the same amount as the Wall Street Journal, but provide better service or more, more um, targeted information to, uh, to your customers, but not if they pull Twitter off the app store. So there, I think that we're, you know, whatever years away from there being a, uh, a headbutting of large apps and Apple's app store. Yeah, it could redefine the way that Apple runs their business for sure. And it theoretically, if Apple's going to put this stake in the ground, I don't know if this pushes everybody towards Samsung or the Android operating system, right? but it could definitely change the way that people look at freedom, for lack of a better term. Yeah, I mean, you're like you're not you're not free to send money to, from person to person on an Apple device. Unless it is in, you know, however, however, Apple makes money off of Venmo and Cash App and PayPal and stuff. You know, it's got to be that way. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Like we've talked about it with the gaming stuff, like actually being able to earn real value in whether it's gaming or um, or, or like social media or, or any of these things. I'll be curious to see what's how this kind of rolls out. Yeah. Lots of inter- interesting things going on right now. That's for sure. Always. Cool. Well, that's all that I had on my end. No, I'm good, too. I'll chat again next week, and we'll see what's changed by then. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Jay. Right. See how. If all of these crypto conversations leave you with more questions and you're looking for answers, I've created a product that dives into most of those answers, including why crypto, how to set up a cold wallet, and some of the more advanced strategies for dealing with crypto. Check the link in the notes below and hope to see you there.